Hey everybody, on this week's podcast, did you know Beethoven is still writing new music? We'll tell you all about it and... Are athletes facing too much pressure? We'll find out and we're going to continue our series through the book of Romans. This is Real Faith for Real Life, a podcast from Cascade Fellowship in Grand Rapids, Michigan. All right, Beethoven. I'm pretty sure he passed away in like 1827. <laughs> Quite a while ago. But you're saying he's still making music. He's got a new jam out this yeah. month. It's called Beethoven's 10th Symphony. Okay. And I actually listened to it. Oh, we should tell the story first. Uh, yeah. So he had put together just the most rudimentary sketch of this song. And I saw the actual drawing, just very few notes. <laughs> they fed this into uh, artificial intelligence, into a supercomputer, Along with the entire body of his other works, they taught it how to think like Beethoven, and the computer spat out this symphony. Okay. And it sounds pretty good. Can you tell the difference? Well, they did a study with people who actually know Beethoven's music really well, yeah. and they could not tell where his actual notes stopped and the AI started. Wow. AI, who, who knew it could be used for good, too? <laughs> war, good, whatever. Yeah, yeah, war or good. That's so, man. I am, I am impressed. So you can actually listen to this, right? You can uh, find it on YouTube okay. if you just search for Beethoven X, the AI project, okay. and it'll come back. His tenth symphony. His Got tenth it. symphony. Real faith for real life. We're talking hey. about the stuff that matters here. <laughs> <laughs> Diving into our second story. This one matters a little more. A little bit more. So athletes face a lot of pressure. We know that, right? Why don't you tell us about this story that you've been following? Yeah, one of my heroes is Roger Federer, great tennis player. And he did an interview where he was asked if, uh, you know, like there's so much going on in the world of tennis now. Naomi Osaka basically battling anxiety very uh, publicly, mm-hmm. dropping out of tournaments, not wanting to face the press. Um so they asked Roger, do you think there's too much pressure? And he said, yes, absolutely. Uh, there's this newcomer, Emma Raducanu, who won uh, the U.S. Open. She was a qualifier. She won all the qualifying rounds. Okay. She went all the way through the tournament, and she won the tournament without dropping a set. Wow. And after all that, I mean, she was just kind of beside herself with the pressure everybody was putting on her. Yeah. And she said, just let me be, you know, uh, I'm, I'm new to this. Right. And so Roger says, yeah, I mean, the the amount of pressure people are feeling nowadays, especially these young athletes, is off the charts. Now, here's the key part I want to point out today. In the interview, he said this. The first 10 years of my life, there was no social media. Maybe I had just a website. Then the next 10 years, there was social media everywhere. (laughs) And he said, I can't imagine going through the beginning of my career with social media. I have no clue how I would have handled it. For every 10 nice comments, there's always one negative comment. And, of course, that is the one you focus on. Hmm. It's a horrible situation. We need to remember, he says, these players are human, too. Right. And we see this not just in tennis, but in other sports, too, right? Simone Biles in gymnastics earlier this year. And it's happening all over the place. You wonder how much factor social media is in hers. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't read an article about it, but... I do know I'm, what, 43 now? I have to do the math every time. I, when you get past a certain age, you just don't right. care. <laughs> but, yeah, I didn't have social media when I was in high school or even right. college. Yeah. And I wonder, man, would my life be better or worse? 
Something to think about. Probably worse. <laughs> that's, the, that's the spoiler. Oh, man, we, we talk about this every week, but it's, yeah. it's really interesting when, when your faith and your life intersect. Right. I mean, that's a big part of it now is dealing with living your life publicly on social media. And, of course, this tendency we all have right. to focus on that one Absolutely. negative comment. There's so much good in life, so much happening in our lives but if one person is critical or says one mean thing, mm-hmm. that's where our mind We goes. all internalize it, right? Yeah, and I think that's related to this week's study as we mm-hmm. make it to Romans chapter 8. So we're going to dive in in just a second. All right, so let's dive in. Back to Romans, we're in chapter 8 this week. But before we read the text, why don't you give us a little bit of context here, where we're at. Yeah, so you'll remember last week where we left off in chapter 7, Paul was giving voice to this universal Christian experience of just struggling against the sin that remains in our flesh, to use mm-hmm. his word, in our, our flesh and in the world around us. And so we, like Paul, we all experience this desire to do good, and, and yet we find ourselves giving in to the old sinful ways um, and habits and desires. Right. So chapter 7 last week was characterized by these words, law and flesh. Mm. And law was in there 31 times. And Paul's point being, those two things put together is not a winning combination. It's not going to help you in your Christian life. Yeah. Law plus flesh equals failure. You need something more. So this week, when we turn the page into chapter 8, we find a different keyword that's repeated, this time 19 times. That keyword is the Holy Spirit. And I think we're going to find as we read this week's passage, uh, you'll just hear that word, repeated, repeated, repeated spirit. By the Spirit, we can overcome sin and we can make real change in our life. That's good. So we're going to pick up in verse 1 and read the first part of chapter 8. Paul says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin to flesh. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness." And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, 
but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. All right, so what is the big takeaway from this first section of chapter 8? Well, I think we heard uh, the word spirit just repeated over and over again, and I think the big takeaway is the spirit is essential Hmm. to Christian living and Christian growth. So without the spirit, Christian discipleship is impossible. Yeah. It's, It's impossible. So there's two things that are said here we could talk about. In the first 13 verses, um, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of life. Mm-hmm. And then in the next part, verses 14 through 17, he's the spirit of adoption. So why don't we talk about the spirit of life first? What does it mean to say that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of life? Well, chiefly that he is the one who brings us to life spiritually. So... We talk about, you know, the Holy Spirit, this mysterious person of the Trinity that uh, sometimes hard to understand and get our minds around. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the first things you should think about when you think about the Spirit of God is just that you were spiritually dead, and He is the one that brought you to life, and that changes everything. One of the first things Paul says is that changes your mindset. I love this teaching. Look at verse 5, chapter 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And so the Spirit, it just it gives us a new mindset. Mm-hmm. And I have to watch myself. I said it. It should be he. <laughs> the Spirit is a he a member of the Trinity, not right. an impersonal force. Yep. Uh, so I'll correct myself there. The Holy Spirit, he gives us a new mindset, and that mindset is actually life-giving. So this first part about giving life, and the way we get life is through this new mindset. And I'll I'll add this, just last thing I'll add about this is, uh, apart from the gift of the Holy Spirit in us, uh, we would not be able to comprehend the things of God Mm -hmm. at all. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they're discerned only through the Spirit. If you really think about that, that has some big implications. And teaser, we'll talk about those more next week when we talk about predestination. (laughs) Right. So we talked a little bit about the Spirit uh, as life. Mm -hmm. What about Spirit of adoption? Yeah, it's interesting to me. Last week, we talked about this term, servant or slave. Mm -hmm. So we moved from being a slave to the law to being a slave to God. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last week, chapter 6, verse 22, we said, but now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. Mm -hmm. So last week, we said we're slaves of God. Um, and Paul 
in chapter one, loved using that term for himself, yep. Paul, a servant of Christ. Right. But now in this week's teaching, we go even deeper than that. We add another layer on that. We're not just servants of God, not just hired help that he can fire willy-nilly, you know, uh, that we cower. But this is beautiful. Chapter 8 adds this, verse 14, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves, so you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received uh, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him, by the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. And so, it's not wrong to think of yourself as God's servant. Mm-hmm. We learned that last week, and that's in chapter 1 as well. But even more so, we got to think of ourselves as God's adopted children. It's less of a performance-based relationship. I mean, think about it. A servant or an employee or a slave, they have this attitude of performance-based acceptance. You do right, right, you get rewarded. You get to stick around, you know. Um, it's hard to get in and easy to get thrown out. But a child has security. Children, for the most part, are not afraid of being fired by their mom. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I can attest to that. I, as an only child, did some monumentally stupid things uh-huh. growing up, and my mom never once fired me. <laughs> she said, he's still my son, no matter what he does, and I still love him. And that's the relationship we have with God, our Father, because of the Spirit. So really this idea of adoption and sonship is the, really around the idea or the concept of security. Yeah. And this is a reason that Christians don't have to be insecure about God's love or his plan, right? Yeah, it's really beautiful the way this chapter presents our standing in God's family as yeah. his adopted children. In Roman culture, adoption was a highly esteemed thing. A wealthy person needing an heir would bring someone into the family. Mm. And at that point, it was, a, it was a legal thing. You know, that parent was then liable for their kid's behavior, and that kid was legally entitled to the... Uh, inheritance. Mm-hmm. And that's what Paul actually says here in verse 17. Now, if we're children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. And so it's really interesting here. This bridges us into the next section, mm-hmm. which is all about suffering and about security in that suffering, right. about the dual relation, like. If you read the second half of the chapter, it's this reality check. We're going to experience suffering, but in the midst of it, we can be completely secure Mm. that God is taking us where he wants us to be. And, um, you know, I talked about that from stage this week, so I'm not going to do it again on the podcast. (laughs) I would encourage you to go to cascadefellowship.org, look up that sermon, which is all about the second half Mm -hmm. of chapter 8 and our security in the midst of suffering. All right, so how is the Spirit present in the second half of chapter 8? Obviously, you're not going to rehash your sermon, but but what we've seen is that he's the Spirit of life, and he is the Spirit of adoption. So what is he here? Yeah, very interesting. In the second half of chapter 8, the Spirit theme continues, and this time he's pictured as groaning along with us. So Mm -hmm. we groan in the sufferings of life, knowing there's something good waiting for us. Mm down the line. We groan as we stretch and reach toward it, and creation groans, but also the Spirit is present here, and He is groaning along with us. He's coming 
alongside us to help us with the things that we face in life. Yeah. One of the commentaries I read gave a beautiful picture, and it's like he comes face to face with you, picking up the burden. It's almost like two men carrying a log together. Mm. That's the picture that Paul gives us of the Holy Spirit, our intercessor, our comforter, our advocate. Even this chapter says he prays for us when we don't have the words to pray. So when you're so desperate in life that you don't even know what to ask for, or you can't get the words out, there's the Spirit of God right there with you. And, um, and finally, he's also present, pictured as the first fruits. So just as a harvest would have the first little bit that assured there's more to come, uh, the Spirit is God's down payment or initial installment right. in our life that, it, that it just assures that he's going to finish what he started. So from beginning to end, then, chapter 8 is just filled with the Holy Spirit and how he advances us in our Christian life, helps us in our Christian life, gets us where we're going. Beautiful. And again, that's kind of the the thrust of your message on Sunday. So we encourage you to look it up, but I'm also really excited to dive into chapter nine next week. Oh man, we (laughs) have some very interesting things to talk about next week. As always, we want to encourage you to subscribe so you don't miss next week's podcast. Come to our church if you're in Grand Rapids. We meet every Sunday at 10 and look up our sermons at cascadefellowship.org. All right. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you soon. Bye.